rounding edition of the Pull Tab Podcast. I'm Adam. Thank you for downloading, liking, subscribing, sharing, anywhere you can find podcasts. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can take a look at my Twitter page, at Pull Tab Podcast is the handle, all one word. And Pull Tab Podcast at Yahoo.com if you want to get a hold of me, drop me a line. Hey, you want me to talk about something? Shoot me a note. Happy Father's Day to everybody out there. I'm recording this a Tuesday after Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, especially to my pops. Like I mentioned, I'll have him back on for some futures and some gambling and wagering stuff going on here. Happy Father's Day to him. Happy Father's Day to all of you out there as well that are fathers. All right, slow week this week. Not a whole lot going on. I'm going to pick out a few points of interest here. One being NCAA football is trying to get athletes back on campus for spring practice. Proving a little difficult that the corona is on campus now. Clemson being hit one of the hardest schools. 28 players came back for spring practice and tested positive. Bama, a lot of all the big schools are showing some cases of COVID-19. Hey, look, it's going to happen, right? They're just trying to minimize the damage. We are reopening. States are reopening. They're all in different phases. Obviously, some of the states in the south are opening to phase three by now, or some in the northeast, New York, LA, are still in the phase one or even getting to phase one, a portion of this reopen. So people reopening, obviously, some people are taking as it, life is back to normal. Some of us are taking it you know, a little bit more of a health standard to try to keep this thing from spiking, but it's going to spike no matter what. Yeah, people going back out, trying to get back to their normal lives. There's more testing. This thing is going to spike. Now, how do they manage it is the key here. How does the NCAA manage this? How do these colleges manage this? What are they allowed to do? So the NCAA is going to have some rules and what we need to do here to get spring practice going, but it's going to it's going to be here. The corona is going to be here for a while, whether we have a vaccine or not. It doesn't matter. It's going to be here. So just got to manage the best we can. We all want this corona to get the hell out of here. We all want to get our lives back, and we love football, right? Who doesn't love college football on Saturdays? NFL football is on Sundays, man. It's coming quick, okay? It's coming quick. July, middle of July, towards the end of July, NFL training camps are going to start, or hopefully going to start. We got to get the ball rolling on this thing, but like I said, you have to have precautions. I get it. You can't have all these athletes, all these football players showing up on campus, spreading the wealth of the corona around, right? I get it, but we're going to have to manage it. This is, it's going to be here, so it's what we got. Like I mentioned, NFL Spring Training Camp right around the corner. A couple things yesterday, Dak Prescott finally signed his franchise tender. They need to get some kind of deal worked out there, no surprise. Jamal Adams is trying to get out of the Jets, trying to leave the Jets. He's trying to push to the Cowboys is where he'd like to go, so we'll see how that plays out there. Jamal Adams, very good football player, could be a great addition to any team in the NFL, but man, comes with a price tag. So we'll see where he lands there. Again, another player, not happy, wants out of his contract, wants to get traded to a different team. We talked a little bit about this on the last podcast. That will never change. Things will happen like that consistently, especially in the NFL in the NBA. All right. As I mentioned, Tuesday after Fowler's Day, which means the Talladega race got rained out on Fowler's Day. They ran yesterday. Rain delay early in the race yesterday, but they got it in under green. Drive the track, got it rolling again, and man, they NASCAR did not disappoint with that race yesterday. That was an awesome race from start to finish. That speedway package that they have right now with the big old spoilers and everything on it, and they can lock on to somebody, give huge shoves. You know, these guys were out of control. Blaney even said yesterday at one time he was dead loose sideways and said, Hey, tell tell Brad who was pushing him. You know what? That wasn't it didn't look as bad as it was. So these guys were pushing each other all over the track. No surprise, the Penske cars were strong, Logano. Always a super speedway, plate racer, just awesome. Has really turned out to be a, a, just an awesome plate racer. Keselowski, obviously no slouch himself. Got plenty of wins at the plate tracks. They passed that information on to Blaney. He ends up winning yesterday. Comes back, led the most laps, had probably the fastest car. 
Gibbs cars were okay. Hamlin and Kyle Busch were pretty strong. Kyle was pushing Stenhouse Jr. for most of the race over there at JTG Motorsports, who's always been a pretty good plate racer. Struggles on most tracks, but Daytona Talladega, Stenhouse is usually up towards the front. Surprise, you know, obviously you guys come to the front. Names you don't normally necessarily see. John Hunter Nemechek there had a good chance to finish third. At the end of the race, Blaney, they're all coming basically three wide to the line. Blaney went up to block Jones, got into him. Jones got up to Hunter Nemechek. They crashed. Blaney comes across the line. You know, it's just a real, real close finish. It's what you get at Talladega Racing, Super Speedway Racing. You just got to block. If you're the leader, you got to block the hell out of everyone that's behind you. Pull the up lane, pull the top lane, pull the bottom lane, pull the middle lane. But when it comes down to it and you're coming through the trial, back to the start finish line, which is further down than a normal racetrack at Talladega, you just got to block the hell out of anyone that's around there. So Blaine did a great job. Spotter Josh Williams did a great job giving him the information that he needed. And the 12 car got it done for Penske. You know, some of these guys come and goers at Talladega. I mentioned John Hunter Nemechek. Really impressed with him this year. He's got a couple top 15s and a top 10 finish at Darlington. He ran really, really well. Front row motorsports. It's a really kid to, you know, to keep an eye on. His dad, front row Joe, Joe Nemechek, cup driver for many, many years. He's always had some speed. So he's got the, he's got the bloodlines. And I just think he's a, he's a pretty good driver. And I think you give him a year or two, albeit front row motorsports is a, you know, a lower level team in cup. He's running decent. You know, and he's trying to bring these cars home in one piece. And, and as a young rookie and some of these kids that are cutting their teeth in the Cup Series, log laps, right? The race is 500 miles. Finish all 500 miles no matter where you finish. Just get some experience. You can't get experience when you're sitting in the garage with a wild up race car. So some of these young kids that come in, Christopher Bell, obviously, huge talent. He ran well yesterday. He's partnered with Levine Racing, which is also partnered with Gibbs. It's a Gibbs car, basically. Some of these kids that are coming in, you know, it's a big step. That's a big step from Xfinity or Bush, old Bush Series or Xfinity as, as it's called now to Cup and just get in the car and just in and off you go, right? It's hard to do. It's not that easy. There's some special talents that can do it, the Kyle Bushes, stuff like that, but it takes a little while. It takes a little while to cut your teeth on this. So, I mean, Tyler Reddick won two Xfinity championships the last two years. He's showing really good. He's running well at most places, but still has a lot to learn. So the NASCAR race, like I mentioned, awesome yesterday. Good finish all day long, bumping, pushing, passing. Really, really good. Jimmy Johnson, hated for Jimmy Johnson. Had a really good run there up to the end. It was just a racing deal. I mean, they had such a big run. He had Harvick pushing them. They were on the outside line. Harvick kind of went down to make a move. Johnson made a move, I think, a little bit late maybe. Harvick hooked him in the left rear, and, and the way he went, couldn't believe no one else hit him. That was amazing. Got back to the pits, got four tires, but, you know, it is what it was. It turned into a fuel mileage race there a little bit towards the end, which I never thought in a million years you'd see a fuel mileage race at a play track. But a lot of these guys were running running low on fuel. They are running back in the pack, half throttle, just trying to save fuel to make it to the end. Late race caution comes out with the spin from Jimmy Johnson. Some guys come in, put four on. Some guys come in, put two on. Some guys come in and put fuel in the car. That's it. The order gets jumbled up. Keselowski gets shuffled back. Logano gets shuffled back. Some of these guys didn't have enough time with the green-white checker, basically, to get back to the front. Blaney saved enough fuel. He went to the front, had, to, had just charged to the front. Like I mentioned, he had the best car all day, led the most laps. So, entertaining race. Obviously overshadowed by the news of Bubba Wallace team member finding a supposed noose hanging in the garage area during the rain delay on Saturday, or on Sunday, I'm sorry. What else do you say about that? It's despicable. It's disgusting. It's cowardly. Still waiting for some of the details to come out, but if this was actually true, that they actually did find, find a noose in the garage, I mean, it's just despicable. I mean, come on. This is 2020. Okay, this is 2020. What what kind of person are you? Are you still trying to judge a person by the color of their skin? It's absurd. 
And to have a cowardly act to put a noose in there trying to intimidate him, it's insane, okay? I don't care if you're white, black, purple, yellow, gold. It doesn't matter. We're all the same. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now and protesting, but it's equality. We're all the same. It's 2020, people. Come on. But all I can say about that situation is it galvanized the NASCAR community that was at the racetrack that day. If you didn't see it, all the team members, all the drivers— pushed Bubba Wallace's car to the front of the grid before the National Anthem. Brad Keselowski had the American flag in the front of the car while they played the National Anthem. They all came up, gave him hugs. A full 100% sign of support for Bubba Wallace. And not only Bubba Wallace, but there's a lot of African-Americans that are in the NASCAR garage, pit crew members and mechanics and all kinds of people that are there as well. It's not just Bubba Wallace. Obviously, he's the face of it because he's a driver and the drivers are put out there in the media. But there's a lot of guys up and down the garage area that are affected by this. But the fact that somebody, like I said, the details are still to come out of how this all went down. But if that is the case, if somebody did leave a noose in the garage area for that reason, to try to intimidate Bubba Wallace and that, and that kind of you know a racist action like that is absolutely zero tolerance. And if they find those people, like 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 Phelps said of NASCAR, they will be banished from the sport. Whether who they are, whether it's a track worker or a team member, whoever it is, if they find out who did it, they'll be banished. Now there's reports, some reports, cameras, no cameras, nobody really knows. You know, the thing is, is this is a serious matter, okay? So when the crew member found this supposed news, he took it to the NASCAR officials. NASCAR took it to the local area police, which also took it to the FBI. So the FBI is actually involved in this investigation to find out where and whom or how this all took place. And I hope that when they find the people, if this has actually happened and they find the people that did it, person and or persons that did it, they're prosecuted to whatever the fullest extent of that law is. I know there were some laws passed Years ago, I'm not completely schooled up on it, but I think there were some intimidation laws or some threat laws with people doing something like this. I hate that this had to overshadow an awesome weekend at Talladega, but NASCAR, great community. It's a family, family sport. Gathered around Bubba, showed the support for him. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Go pull some videos on it. It was awesome. Richard Petty obviously hasn't been at the racetrack being older, trying to stay away from the corona. He was there 100% in full support of his driver. You don't know Bubba Wallace drives for Petty Enterprises, and Richard Petty, obviously one of the best, if not the best, stock car driver of all time, owns that team. So he was there to sh- to to show support for Bubba. Everybody rallied, rallied around him, but hands down, disgusting act, 0.0 tolerance level for something like that. And I hope to get to the bottom of it, and I hope they find out who person and or persons that did it, and they are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. So. Moving on from NASCAR world, we'll jump into the PGA, the RBC Heritage out in Hilton Head, South Carolina over the weekend. Webb Simpson, who was my pick last week, I didn't get a chance to put that stuff up there, but yes, I actually did pick Webb Simpson to win that event. You know, he's really good there. That's a tight course, and the big the big hitters just don't do all that great there. I know Kepka and some of these other guys finished up at the top of the leaderboard, but a tight course, accurate pinpoint precision. Webb Simpson was amazing. In the back nine, he had five birdies. No bogeys in the back nine coming in to finish up at minus 22. Abraham Answer was trying to make a challenge at him. You know, Hatton was there too, couldn't get it done. But Webb Simpson was like, man, unflappable, unfazed about the moment or anything. He just went out there and got it done. He took control of that tournament. That, that leaderboard was stacked with guys at 18 under, 19 under. Sergio made a run there at the end to try to get involved with it. Daniel Berger, who, hey, I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong. I said, write these guys off. You'll never hear from them again. He played really well on Sunday and was there at the end of this tournament. Kepka was there. Justin Thomas was there. 
So McElroy and Speed, some of the other guys fell back a little bit, but that was a big tournament with a lot of guys there at the top of the leaderboard. Webb Simpson, like I mentioned, unflappable, got it done. Head off to the Travelers in Cromwell, Connecticut this week. Same kind of thing, a little bit of a tight golf course. My picks for this thing, we'll do a little bit of handicapping on golf. I don't do a ton of golf handicapping, but I took a look at this one here, and I just kind of take a look at some of the guys that are in the field, and I'll give you my winner, guys that bet, and maybe some guys that fade. So right off the bat, a couple guys that you should fade this week, in my opinion. Jordan Spieth, he's been playing better, but he just can't get it done on Saturday and Sunday. He can't stay near the top of the leaderboard, just fades towards the end. That fades Spieth, and DeChambeau. I mean, DeChambeau is, is just all the rage right now because he hit the weight room during the quarantine, and he's a monster, and he's huge, and he drives the ball 500 yards. It's great. He had a decent showing over at RPC Heritage this week, but fade DeChambeau. I'm tired of listening about him. He's going to be okay this week, but I, I'm just, I think you should fade him as well. And Daniel Berger. Okay, Daniel Berger two weeks in a row. You won in Texas. You had a great showing this past Sunday. It's time for, it's time for you to go away here for a little bit. So I'd fade him as well. Guys that I think are going to put on a good showing this week, Justin Rose. Justin Rose is one of those like consummate professional guys that if you do fantasy gaming, Justin Rose is your guy. He's always solid. He's always going to be there towards the end. John Rahm's another one of those guys. They're always pretty solid. But good showings this week, I think, at the Travelers. I like Justin Rose. I like Victor Hovland, who really came out at the end of last year, and he's been kind of hanging around. I think he shot 14 under maybe last week at, at the RBC. Pretty solid there, too. My winner, Justin Thomas. I think Justin Thomas is going to get it done this week. I know he's a big name. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of taking big names, but I like Justin Thomas. And the other guy I really like is Webb Simpson. I think Webb Simpson is probably going to carry that momentum into the Travelers this week. I wouldn't expect him to win. I'd expect him to make up, make up the cut and probably finish in the top 10, 15, so another good fantasy guy. But my winner this week is Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas, I know. it's. I don't like picking these. I don't like to pick in the McElroys and all these other guys because – it's so hard to win on tour, and I know these guys are the top players in the world, but Justin Thomas has been playing really good golf, played really good golf on Sunday. Couldn't sustain it, you know, to the finish, to be there at the end, but he made a rally, he made a run late, he got there, and I just think he's going to be the guy this week. I really do. Kepka, it's hard to say. He played well last week. I don't think he's ready to, to get back in winner's circle. I know Sergio, Sergio Garcia probably put him in the fade category, Played really well and came out, but Sergio, you never know what you're going to get from him from week to week. So let's do a quick recap. I'd fade Spieth, DeChambeau, Berger, and we'll throw Garcia in that pile. I like Rose, Simpson, and Hovland to put on a really good showing and winner of the Travelers at Cromwell, Connecticut 2020 will be Justin Thomas. All right, well, let's jump into a pull tab this week. I got a pretty good one here, so let's take a look at it. All right, first symbol is a backwards hat. Second symbol is a brain with a checkered flag inlay. It's kind of weird. And third is a microphone. All right, well, this pull tab is none other than the redneck Jesus, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was born October 10th, 1974 in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Obviously the son of the late great Dale Earnhardt Sr., who was killed in the, in the Daytona 500 in 2001 last lap. He was a lot of trouble as a kid, all right? Let's just get straight to the point. A lot of trouble as a youth. Sent him to military school when he was about 12 years old. Now, his sister Kelly dropped out of school and joined him there because she worried about him quite a bit. That relationship those two have is probably unlike most of the relationships out there between brothers and sisters. Their relationship is so tight. 
Kelly always watched out for Dale, no matter what, no matter what it was. So she drops out, joins him in military school. He comes back, starts working at a dealership as a mechanic. He gets an associate degree from Mitchell Community College, but he starts racing, and he starts racing late. I mean, really, at the age of 17, really full on into the racing scene. Nowadays, there's kids running four or five years old. There's kids are running now. You know, Kelly raced as well. They worked on all their stuff together. They ran all the local short tracks around here in the Hickories and all the other places. Kelly was pretty good. She was actually really good from all the stuff that I've heard from being around it and all the stuff I've read. Kelly was a really good race car driver, but ended up not, not really going forward with it. And by the age of 19, he pretty much was in the late models, kind of ran all over, but Myrtle Beach was his place. And Myrtle Beach is a great place to learn how to drive a race car. It's abrasive from all the sand and everything from the ocean. It's abrasive. It's all about saving tires, okay? It's all about managing your car, slipping, sliding around. That is a hard racetrack. If you can run a Myrtle Beach and be there at the end and have a chance to win in some of these big late model races that they have out there, especially for the, the Thanksgiving race that they have out there in Myrtle Beach, if you're there at the end, pretty good race car driver. That's a really good place to cut your teeth is Myrtle Beach Speedway. So ended up jumping into the Bush Series, ran nine races in 96 and 97 for DEI, and Ed Whitaker and DEI is Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, his father's company. He went full-time in 1998 with the number three AC Delco machine. Won the championship in 1998 and 1999 over Cambridge, Wisconsin's Matt Kenseth. Junior and Kenseth were basically hand-in-hand from the time they started in the Bush Series to the Cup Series and all the way through their careers. Junior and Kenseth were pretty much on the same, the same level of playing field that whole time. At the end of 1999, when he won his, his then-Bush championship, he ran five cup races. In 2000, he made the jump. Number eight, Budweiser Chevrolet, into the Cup Series. Got his first win at Texas Motor Speedway. Got a win at Richmond. And also became the first rookie to win the Winston that year in 2000. Pretty solid year. Pretty solid year. So for the next seven years, from 2000 to 2007, he drove for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. Ended up having a fallout with his stepmother, Teresa. I mentioned before, his father was killed in 2001, Daytona 500. There's a lot of stories of how that all went down between Teresa and Dale. They wanted to take the company one way. Teresa wanted to take the company another way. They never could really get together on what they had. But at DEI, he had 17 cup wins, two Bush championships, a 2001 Pepsi 400 win, right? That was the most memorable one with Michael Waltrip. It was going back to Daytona after his father was killed in 2001. They went back, and, I mean, let's be honest. That was, there was not a dry eye in the house, okay? Dale Jr. going back to Daytona after his father was killed. People can say well, it was rigged and all these other things, but man, Dale Jr. getting that win. Alan Beswick with the call, using lessons learned from his father, getting the win in Daytona. Michael Waltrip never got a chance to celebrate that Daytona 500 that year that he won for DEI, for Dale Earnhardt. Michael Waltrip won when, when Sr. was killed in turn four. Never got a chance to celebrate. Won the Daytona 500. It's the greatest day of his life, and then found out that his best friend, his car owner, Dale Earnhardt, had passed away. Obviously, somber, somber moment for DEI, for the whole sport, for all of the sports nation, right? Whole sports landscape. It was a horrible day. Not even just, not just in the racing world. So Michael Waltrip kind of felt that that was his coming out party, too, when, when, when Junior won that race in the fall, the Pepsi 400. Spun across the grass and celebrated, obviously, the moments of them embracing on the car, all the teams out there. It was just, just awesome. Also added a, added a Daytona 500 victory in 2004 with his time at DEI. So in 2007, it was the most captivating story across NASCAR area. What was Dale Earnhardt Jr. going to do? Was he going to continue to sign with DEI and go down that road? 
were him and Teresa and Kelly all going to get together and figure out a way they could buy Teresa out of DEI so they could keep it a family-run business? Or was he going to move? So Kyle Busch moved on to Joe Gibbs Racing. Enter Dale Earnhardt Jr. at Hendrick Motorsports. Big announcement. I mean, that was, like I mentioned, that was the talk of the town for a long, long time. So he ran for Hendrick for quite a few years. 2008, 2016, 2008, he won the Bud Shootout right off the bat. Everyone's thinking, man, this is a great partnership. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be with Hendrick. They got Jeff Gordon there. They got Jimmy Johnson there. You know, Mark Martin, Casey Kane, all these guys. This is going to be, this is going to be it. This is going to be, we're going to take the ball and run with it from DEI. Like I mentioned, really good numbers at DEI, but this is going to catapult him to Dale's senior status. Well, didn't really go as planned. So like I mentioned, 2008, won the Bud Shootout. He won Michigan to basically end a 76 winless streak. So everyone was like, man, high on the hog. We're ready to rip. Old Junior's back at it in the old 88 car. Let's get it done. Well, 2009, wore on. 2010, wore on. 2011, wore on. Weesh, winless. Three years, winless. Not where you want to be. But 2012, won Michigan, right? Everyone remembers that race. Finally won Michigan, got that monkey off his back. It was really, really good. Unfortunately, later that year, he suffered a concussion at Talladega, and he had to sit out two races towards the end of the year, the Bank of America 500 at Charlotte and the Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas with a concussion. So 2013 started, finished second in the Daytona 500, but again, not much to speak of there other than being fifth in the points at the end of the year, which was his best effort since 2006. 2013, started getting back on the right track. And, of course, 2014, got on the right track, won the Daytona 500. Anytime you win the Daytona 500, it's just a great season no matter what else happens that year. But came back and won Pocono and came back and got himself a grandfather clock at Martinsville, which is that is a hard place to win. And let me tell you, all the sports landscapes, everyone wants to win Daytona and all these other things. But as far as the trophy itself, everyone wants to win a grandfather clock at Martinsville. Everyone wants to win it. If you don't know about Martinsville, it's a little half Half-mile, paperclip-shaped, short track. Really, really hard to, to get a win there. It's really hard to stay out of someone else's way. It's really hard to get through lap traffic. Martinsville is a really, really tough place to race. So you win there. You get the, the grandfather clock. He did in 2014. So 2015 comes. Junior gets a win back at Talladega. Wins the Daytona fall race. Pepsi 400 and Phoenix at the end of the year. So good. Three wins. 2015. 2016 winless but that year he missed the second half of the season with a concussion okay this is where the story of Dale Hunter Jr. kind of changes a little bit puts a lot of a lot of things in perspective and as much as he's a racer to the I mean to the core right Dale Hunter Jr. is a racer to the core wants to be in the race car starts to evaluate is this do I really want this and I mean by that do, do I want this for my health later on in life sustaining these concussions really started getting into the brain health of concussions did a lot of treatment did a lot of research and in 2017 came out and said this is gonna be my last year unfortunately he did go winless he stepped away from the sport on his terms he didn't let the sport get the best of him or I guess the racer in him to get the best of him he comes back and runs one Xfinity race every single year just ran at Homestead a little while back ran well ran top three pretty much the whole time finished fifth and it's that competitive edge right it's that competitive nature as a racer you can't it's really hard to step away from the sport but he's looking at his future, okay? Got married to Amy, now has a daughter Isla, has a second daughter on the way, and decided, you know what? I've had my time. I still can be around the sport. He's a car owner. He owns Junior Motorsports. 
but it's time for me to step away from my health. Health for his wife, health for his kids, health for his family, for Kelly, you know, even being involved in the day-to-day operations at Junior Motorsports with Kelly, who runs Junior Motorsports. The whole persona of Dale Jr. really changed around this time. At 2014 on, it really changed. Dale Jr. was usually known as the party guy, secluded at the racetrack, never left his bus. He went from the bus to his car, from the car to the bus, didn't really interact with a lot of people, had a really close-knit group of friends, you know, the playboy type, was with a lot of women, all these narratives of Dale Earnhardt Jr. were out there. But, you know, this 2014, especially when he made that move to Hendrick and out from under the DEI umbrella, you start to see a little bit more of his personality. He really opened up. You know, he, like I mentioned, he was really quiet, kind of kept to himself. But he really started opening up and showing his personality. And he's got a great personality. Dale Jr. is great for the sport. He's an ambassador for the sport. He's really taken that ball and run with it. And the reason I bring this up is he was elected into the Hall of Fame last week with Stefanik and Red Farmer. And a lot of people have been talking about, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Is Dale Jr. really a first ballot Hall of Famer? What has he done? He hasn't won a cup championship. What has he done? Here's my take on it. He's got two Bush championships, a couple Daytona 500 victories. He's an owner of Junior Motorsports, very successful, won a ton of races, a bunch of championships there. And the ambassador, like I just mentioned, of what he has taken on and run with the sport. He's let his, per- his personality out there. Okay, he's now broadcasting for NBC as a commentator. He was at Indy 500 last year, right? NBC was putting him out there. He's experiencing all these things and putting himself out there, all these places that he never would have before. Dale Jr. Download, one of the most successful and probably downloaded podcasts that there is. He interviews all kinds of people from the sport, but there you go. There's, there you go again. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you told me Dale Jr. would have had a, a podcast and all these guys came on and most downloaded and it would have been great and riveting and funny and, you know, he's charismatic and all these things that come along with it. I never would have believed it. But he did. He came out of his shell. And putting out there also, too, for mental health with the concussions and how serious these things can be. Obviously, NFL has gone over this round and round and all over the place with concussions in the NFL. But Dale Jr. has really spearheaded and been a spokesman for that. And, you know, and, 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 and on top of it all, he's just a good guy. Okay, you hear stories about Dale Jr. of all these things that he's done lately. Helping some guy push his car across the intersection because it's stalled, right? Jumps out of his truck, goes and pushes the car across the intersection. This is the kind of guy, Dale Earnhardt Jr., he's a good guy. He's got good morals, good values, right? Whatever happened in the past, the party guy and everything, whatever, right? We all sow our oats. We all sow our wild oats. Who doesn't, right? But now he's married to a beautiful wife, has a daughter, another daughter on the way, is a good family guy. But he's staying in the sport. He's trying to help the sport. He's not just walking away from it and saying, yep, I got my money and that's, you know, I'm down the road I go. No, he's completely involved in a ton of aspects. Like I mentioned, Junior Motorsports, okay? Partnered with Rick Hendrick back in 1998. They ran some trucks. Obviously, they have a field three Xfinity cars now full-time, one part-time. But look at the, when he built this, him and Kelly had built this Junior Motorsports. As I mentioned, Kelly pretty much runs everything for him there. Chase Elliott, Truex Jr., Brad Keselowski got his start. Brad Keselowski would not be where he is today if Dale Jr. didn't put him in that 88 Navy car without having sponsorship. Brad Keselowski took that ball and ran with it. Ended up signing with Penske, wins a championship with Penske in 2012, and obviously one of the top, one of the top drivers in the series. Jimmy Johnson, Mark Martin, Ryan Newman, Tony Stewart, Danica Patrick, William Byron, Tyler Reddick, all these guys have driven for Junior Motorsports. Not only was it a feeder system for these guys, but they gave them equipment to show what they can do. And they have made a lot of these guys, 
I mean, Chase Elliott, would Chase Elliott be as good as he is right now in Cup if he wasn't driving some good equipment learning at Junior Motorsports? William Byron, again, same. Tyler Reddick, same thing, won a championship there. Gives these guys a platform, these young kids a platform to come race. Justin Allgaier, right? Really good driver, has a chance to race there. Right now, Noah Gregson is the hot shoe right now over at Junior Motorsports, winning a bunch of races, running up front. He's the next guy coming through the pipeline. They have three Xfinity championships over there at Junior Motorsports, 14, 17, and 18. Chase Elliott, William Byron, Tyler Reddick, respectively. 48 Xfinity wins, two truck wins, and an ARCA win. They partnered with GMS Racing in 2019 for this driver development thing with Noah Gregson, Zane Smith, kind of helping those guys out. As I mentioned, they currently run three Xfinity cars with Gregson, Elgar, and Annette full-time in a fourth car that Junior and Jeb Burton and some of these other guys will race throughout the year. Where I'm going with this is, yes, Dale Jr. absolutely is a first battle Hall of Famer. I know everyone's going to say, well, it doesn't matter because Junior, everybody loves Junior. Junior takes the lead of the race. The crowd comes to life. You can hear the roars of the fans over the engines at the racetrack. But he absolutely is. And a couple different brands, Dirty Mo Media, that whole thing he started. Like I mentioned with the Dale Jr. download, he's got Door Bumper Clear with TJ Majors and Brett Griffin and Freddie Kraft. They, got, they have that podcast rolling really, really good, talking about spotting, race car spotters. Really good podcast to listen to. He's really an icon of the sport, aside from being just in the shadows of his dad, Dale Sr. He's taking the ball and run with it. He didn't just go collect his money, didn't care if he won, didn't care what you know where he finished. You know, Breaking out of that DEI mold, getting to Hendrick, I think was really good for him. Off the track, it was better for him. And 100% congratulations to Dale Jr. for being part of that Hall of Fame class because... 2021 is going to be a good one with Farmer Stefanik, obviously a modified guy from the Northeast, very popular, and Dale Jr. So the pool tab today is on Dale Jr., and congratulations, you 100% absolutely deserve to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. All right, as far as Wisconsin sports this week, Packers, Badgers, Brewers, Bucks, not a ton of news really to report. Badgers are still working the recruiting trails, but really not a whole lot to report this week. Maybe next week, as we get closer to this NBA return, we'll start hearing some more. Some of these NBA players are coming out saying they're not going to go play. Trevor Reza, I believe, was one of them, is the biggest name. So far, so good on the, the Milwaukee Bucks end. Haven't really heard of anybody coming out saying they're not going to go to Orlando and try to finish up the season in the playoffs for the Milwaukee Bucks. That's great news. So the Bucks can be full force when they get down there to try to win this championship. Mentioned before, MLB is still trying to work out the wrinkles of getting the season going. So Brewers, pretty idle there. Not a whole lot to say there. Packers. Pretty quiet as well, just waiting for this spring training rules and regulations and all that stuff, you know, having to come out. One actually interesting thing I just did think about, Miller Park a couple weeks ago, some guy may have may or may have not been drunk, somehow got into Miller Park, jumped on one of the mowers, and tried running his name in cursive in the outfield before he, obviously before he got caught and arrested. That's interesting. I would have loved to have been there for that. I'm sure the groundskeepers are thrilled with that maneuver, but they have... Plenty of time to get the field back in shape because guess what? There's no baseball right now. So what does it matter? Write your name in cursive all over the place, right? Crazy. All right, we'll jump into my last call favorite this week. Pretty mainstream product. Won't spend a lot of time on it. No really Wisconsin ties or anything here. It's Coke Zero Sugar, as basic as this last call favorite is. It's my favorite soda. It's the only soda I drink. 2005, it came out as like the no-calorie soda. Coke was pushing it out there. 2017, they ran through an updated formula, which I didn't care for at all. I like the old Coke Zero formula, but I've gravitated towards it. I like it. And they end up changing the name to Coke Zero Sugar. Used to be Coke Zero. Coke Zero Sugar, they changed in 2017. 
Back when they released this in 2005, it was Coke's largest launch in 22 years to push this product. And they were trying to push it towards men because it was always thought that women drink, quote unquote, diet drinks or diet sodas. So this is really a diet soda they were trying to push out for men. Get away from all the sugar and everything that comes from regular, regular Coke. They have a couple different flavors. Vanilla, cherry, orange. If you go to some of these restaurants, they have the machines. There's like 30 different flavors on there. Raspberry, all kinds of nonsense, whatever. I stick with the original. You can have all that. You can have all that bullshine. Just give me the original Coke Zero. I'm happy. Hey, it's a great mixer with whiskey and bourbon and anything that comes along with it with rum. You know, pour some over the rocks, put a splash of Coke Zero in there. Hey, we all got to watch our girlish figures for crying out loud, okay? I mean, what do you think this happens overnight, this, this figure that I have here? No, you got you, you to substitute Coke for Coke Zero, things like that, right? Watch the old waistline. But like I mentioned, it's a great mixer. Most places carry it now. You know, back in 2005 when it first came out, I was full on with this thing. Everyone thought it was crazy. they drinking this Coke Zero. Everyone thought it was terrible. But here we are, how many years later, hanging out with Coke Zero. So it's the only, one, it's the only soda that I drink. I'm not big into energy drinks or all that other stuff like that. And I know people, the sweeteners in the Coke Zeros are just as bad as anything else. But the 26 grams or 30 grams of sugar, whatever the hell a, a can of Coke has in it, right? That's way worse than having some sweetener, artificial sweeteners. But you know what? When it comes down to it, I mean, it's probably going to be oranges and bananas probably give you cancer, right? Ten years from now when they start doing research, it's like, oh, guess what? If you eat asparagus, yeah, you're going to have cancer here within a few years. It's probably what's going to happen, okay? You can do the best you can, try to eat clean, and all this other clean living or whatever you want to call it, but... Coke Zero, it's my soda. I love it. Drink it like normal. Mix it with booze. It's great there as well, too. So Last Call Favorite, very mainstream. Nothing sneaky or anything like that going on with my Last Call Favorite this week. So Coke Zero, get yourself a 12-pack, pour it over some ice, get yourself some some whiskey, some bullet, pull, pour it in there, give it a splash of Coke Zero, and you will be good to go for this summer. All right, my friends, thank you again for downloading, subscribing, liking. Make sure you share. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, all the places you can find podcasts. At PullTab Podcast is my Twitter handle. I'll put some stuff up there of things we talk about. And if you want to reach me, it's PullTabPodcast at Yahoo.com. So appreciate appreciate everybody listening, liking and subscribing and sharing. I'm going to try to do these podcasts maybe, usually releasing it Sunday, Monday. I'm probably going to try to start releasing them Wednesday, Thursday. So maybe I can give you like some of my picks for the PGA going into the weekend, stuff like that. Otherwise, we come out of the weekend. And if you're into the gambling for entertainment purposes only or wagering and like to take some of my information, you have it available on that weekend. I'm not a huge fantasy guy. I'm not a big fantasy football guy. I'm not a big fantasy golf, any of that NASCAR, any of that stuff like that guy. Like I said, I like the Vegas Lions, but I've helped a lot of people over the years. People have asked me questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Fantasy obviously has been... It's been full throttle in the sports world, right? People love it. It's like gambling. People go crazy over the fantasy football leagues and everything has skyrocketed over the, over the last 10, 15 years. So I give advice. Someone comes to me and says, hey, what do you think about this guy? Should I play him over you know, over this guy? What, what do you think? I give my advice. So if you have any fantasy questions, you can send me. I just don't play it personally, but I'm always here to help, right? I'm here to help. So again, thanks again for listening. And until next time, have a good one.